Hi, my friends. We really need your support to keep bringing these wonderful voices to you. If you find joy and solace in the podcast that we create, please consider clicking the button on the right side of the site. You know, that little button that says donate. Thank you for your kindness. my friends who listen to Future Primitive. I'm with a beautiful, amazing woman today. Her name is Linda Burnham, ND. Linda's health protocols and healing rituals combine her personal transformational experiences with her extensive knowledge of the body and an awareness of the sacred. As the founder and creator of Burnham System Studies and Physical Spiritual Medicine, she has developed several in-depth healing programs for both professionals and lay people. She has professionally trained and certified Burnham System Facial Rejuvenation and Wise Body Therapeutics practitioners internationally for over 45 years. Her current offerings include spiritually transformative experiences, sacred sojourns in New Mexico, on the land, in the thermal waters, and for more information on Sacred Sojourns, go to her website. She is the author of Natural Facelift, a facial touch program for rejuvenating body and spirit. Welcome, Linda. So you're not offering Hello, facials? <laughs> I was just saying, it's facelifts. You know, 50 years ago, when I began creating the what I call rejuve work, um, no one was using the word rejuvenation. No one used facial rejuvenation. It wasn't even a coined phrase. There was no internet. I should have been really smart and just, you know, copyrighted or something, but I didn't. And so... It is a Burnham Systems facial rejuvenation. I have to use the whole word because now facial rejuvenation is everywhere. Um, I began principally as a healer. Um, I'm an energetic healer. I'm an herbal healer. I'm a nutritionist, obviously all under the umbrella of the MD. But the focus I have is physical spiritual medicine. So rejuve and any of the work I do on the head is is because the head is one of the most sacred parts of our body. It is where we access so much of who we are and where subtle energies can help shift the things that were locked into our being through trauma when we're children and can be released and freed. It's the place where we can even more deeply connect to the divine, where we can literally sort all of the things that make us who we are. Aside from which, this head, this very sacred head, Mm. reflects the entire body. So I am able to touch organ systems and, and places where people have been hurt or whether they have disease or whether there are just traumas that have locked them up since they were five and they don't even know it. So Rejuve is a facial touch program for body and spirit. It is called Burnham System Facial Rejuvenation because, honest to God, it changes the way your face looks dramatically always has at anyone's hands that I've trained. It's really good. And we always can use a lift now and then. But that lift occurs because the rejuve work helps you to dissolve crystallizations that are held in the brain, dissolve crystallizations that are held in the nervous system, in the musculature. And those crystallizations are places where emotional situations have happened that we've locked ourselves around. And if with energy and presence and nurturing touch that can be shifted and moved and softened, then the potential for healing on profoundly deep spiritual levels and personal levels 
is right there at your fingertips. So that's what I do with Burnham Systems Facial Rejuvenation, right, that right. long handle. Yeah. And um, the book is about that, right? But when they, uh, they approached me to write the book, and it's a British publishing company, and, and I said, well, I, I just can't write about Rejuve because that's, I, I, I want to teach people so much more than that. And my other body of work is called Wise Body Therapeutics, and it is healing the physical body on all levels. So if you take a course with me on that, you're studying every organ system. You're finding out how does the heart really function? What is its relationship with the kidneys? How do the kidneys really function? How do they function physiologically, emotionally, energetically, mentally, and spiritually? What do these, this body that we have, what is this body? And how is this body the representation of our soul's journey? And how can we learn to heal it? And when do you need to go allopathic? When do you need to go to a medical doctor? You have to know that. Because there are times when we do. But there are many, many times where we can know how to handle daily, daily problems. How to handle and approach certain serious illnesses. How to approach it for your family, your kids, your friends, your community. There's so much hands-on and herbal healing and nutritional healing that can be taught to people, and then they don't feel that they're lost in the vast medical world. You know, I've had enough injuries, as I know you have too, Joanna, that you understand that once you get into that medical model completely and you don't have any other input on an alternative nature, that it's a very frightening and very difficult thing. You know, you can deal with the medical model in a very very important way and still know that there are so many things you can do for yourself to push the healing forward, the resolve forward, the resolution of whatever's going on. So I do those two things. And they're encapsulated at the moment in something called Your Medicine Chest, Physical Spiritual Medicine Solutions. That's my newest thing that I'm just putting out now in this fall. So it's, it's like healing on all levels is what I'm about and what I love passionately and what I do with my own life. Well, you are an ND. Yes. A naturopathic doctor. Yes. And you have been refining that level of care Mm -hmm. for many, many years now. And actually, the way I see you is as a designer of that particular profession. Oh, how beautiful. You have designed this profession for yourself. So I would love to hear about your own evolution, what it meant to you in the beginning, and then how being a doctor... It it has been quite an evolution. Has evolved. And... I was very aware when I was very young, very aware of the otherness of the world, Um, other beings, other situations, other energies. There was always more than what my eyes could see physically, and I was always aware of it. And so I grew up with that awareness in difficult childhood situations, but aware that there was always more. So the most important impetus for me to be work as a healer or work as a naturopath is the impetus to wholeness, to connection to the divine, which is where we find the greatest wholeness from that. And so that's been, that's been the main push for me forever. A funny thing, when I was 16, my, we didn't have a lot of money. It was my mother and my brother and I. And so she couldn't necessarily give us money to do things. So she took us to cemeteries, and we would look at tombstones, and we would see if we could pick up stories about the people who had lived throughout this. We were in New England, so it was old tombstones and this, that, and the other. And, and we would just kind of, you'd treat it kind of sacredly, but hey, there are a lot of people who've lived, and this is all this. And during that time, I began to realize that life never ends. Life goes on and on and on. And we as beings live many different existences. And I knew that when I was 16. Because when trees drop their leaves, the leaves go to nourish the tree, and nothing is ever lost in nature. That was what I got from combing the 
cemeteries with my mother and brother when I was young was this complete flow of life. And so from that point on, I knew that there were no endings, truly, that we have. There were there was such a multiplicity of existences that we had as souls. And that became a method of exploring the, the life force and all of its permutations and stuff like that. So by the time I was 24, I had a, a spiritual awakening. Everything opened rather instantaneously for me. And so then my ability to see or hear or feel other worlds was right right at my fingertips, right at the, right in front of my mind. And I began to develop the sensitivities that allow you to perceive and interact with the multidimensionality of life that's on this planet and others. So with that awareness, it became even more of a calling for me to help people with what was, what was hurting them, where their pain was. You know, what it was like a there wasn't even a thought in my mind it was just i'm i'm going on the road that's going to find things that are going to help people with their pain now as a child i had a difficult childhood i had many illnesses i was i was put in the hospital 17 times before i was 17 for some major things some minor things but that's a lot of hospital when you're you know in in that era in this era and so i learned i had to look to things to heal me what could make me stronger, more vital, more whole, more healthy? What could make me more relaxed in my, in my body, more peaceful in my mind, more open and responsive emotionally with the people that were in my life or coming into my life? So for me, healing is not a single thing. I realized early that if I come through a physical path, it's going to help me. But I can't do that alone. I need to come with an emotional path. And both these paths move to the center of wholeness. Then you have to come from working with your mind. That has to move to that same center point of wholeness wholeness and health. And spirit, you have to have a connection with some divine energy, spiritual essence, whatever that is for you. Something bigger than what you are, but something that is who you are at the same time. That paradox. And so all the paths to healing, whether it's herbs or food or, or running or meditating or mindfulness or, or Buddhism or Hinduism or whatever it might be for you, you take the paths that are there, but you're aware that you're in a circular manner bringing all of the parts of you to the center. And I find that, that is, that's truly the best path to healing. You know, there are people who've done tremendous growth in their life, spiritual growth, by a singular path. That's all they do. And they, they do it, wed, they wed themselves to it, and they walk that path with incredible discernment and commitment, and they reach a centered place of themselves. That is a way. For me, my way is the unity of all the paths together. And you approach health and healing from all of that. I guess that's why I can be doing something that people could consider a beauty process, facial rejuvenation, and wise body therapeutics in your medicine chest, because they're both flows that work to that whole place. So naturopath, I actually have to be very honest, I was um, spiritually coerced into getting my naturopathic doctor's degree. I didn't want to put the money into it. I didn't want to put the years of time into it. I had all the training that I needed as an herbalist and a naturopath and a healer and had created my own body's work already and was teaching it all over this country internationally. It's like, I don't need that. And I was sat down in a meditation. They said, you do need this. Take it. Put the energy, effort, and money into it. Do it and do it now. So I kind of went into naturopathic doctoring, kicking and screaming. And in those days, naturopathy was different than it is today. Today there are colleges, three or four big colleges in the nation. In those days, it didn't exist. That just wasn't what was things. So you had to work with people, with healers, with old-time chiropractors, old-time osteopaths, old-time herbalists, people who knew the earth and worked the earth and brought the bounty forth and learned how it could heal. And you know, So that's where I got my training, really was in that hands-on engagement with other healers who preceded me. 
And then I took the course and I did the stuff and I did the papers and I did all of that. And then very often they would come to me and say, would you give us your papers? Could we use them in our stuff? I said, absolutely. And the one thing I learned deepest in my, or that was different in my naturopathic training, was I had to do courses in pathology, which I was not familiar with. And so that was the place where it was like, hmm, okay, a new opening. But for the most part, my training came from that grassroots world. You know, where naturopathy is of the earth, healing is natural, and you work to use natural substances and the naturalness of the energy of your hands and heart to make the difference in your life or in someone else's life. So I'm very glad they forced me to get my MD. It's very helpful in the world to have it. I've used it now for 20 years or, lo- or longer. And there came a time for me when I had to not just say I'm a naturopath, I had to say I'm a naturopath and energetic healer and return to vocally encompassing the reality rather than than being able to use the label and the title, you know, which is good to have, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's also limiting. Particularly today, because many naturopaths in the big schools, they do have good training, but they also do an awful, a lot of allopathic training, and, and that's, not my, that's not my history. So it's kind of like a little distinction from that. What I'm really attracted to ask you what you mean by the divine. Oh, isn't that a good question? And I don't want to be indiscreet. Do not. I mean, you can ask me anything at all because divine is yeah. is a word as the word God, as the word divine, as the word light, as the word light, as universal consciousness. To say, what is it that assists you and uh, how can a Cartesian septic, <laughs> skeptic, not septic, skeptic like me... Embrace your skills. There is an impulse to life in all of us. That impulse to life, to live, to grow, to be, to ultimately love more, particularly when life gets hard, to love more, that impulse is in every human being. And that is the impulse that I would call divine. But in the paradox of the universe, that divine impulse is the divine impulse that is in all living things. All people, all four-leggeds, all wingeds, all of nature. So when I say divine, it is not in any way um, uh, held by a picture of an old you know, bearded man, or even a gracious, beautiful woman of blue, mm-hmm. you know. It, is, it encompasses all the avatars, all of the great teachers of all religions, because what I learned very young was that every single religion holds truth, because they are all founded in love. Love yourself, love others, treat them with love. Every religion, I don't care what it is. When you start getting into the... um, And so what I was shown is that there were a myriad of cups and that creation poured its elixir of life into all these cups. And if you drank it from an earthen mug, it would have one taste and you'd talk about it one way. If you drank it from a tin cup, it would have a very different taste and texture to all of you and you would, again, speak of it differently. If you drank it from a crystal goblet it would feel completely different and affect your senses differently and you'd talk about it differently. But the essence of life in every single holder of the divine energy is love. It is the same. There is no difference. It's not difference until we start talking about our different perceptions. And then it's broken down into religions. And then it gets codified. And then we get locked in. And then it's right and wrong and you and me and us and them and all of that division of polarity begins. But in essence, the creative life force poured it into every vessel. And we as humans drink as we will until you get to the point you can drink up all of them and feel the same love. 
know that they're all the same and that people are chalices of their own divinity, their own creative life force, but also the, the droplet from the creative force that created everything. So when I say divine, it, it fits into all those categories. It's not a small concept, but it's hard to sell. You know, God has a lot of stuff around it. People will use the word God, and they know what God is, and they'll look at this book for that definition of that God. It's like, so God becomes something that, yes, I use. It took me maybe 10 years to use the word God. Light was what I referred to at first, because I can see the light. And I can feel the light in human beings and in, in a flower and in the earth and on a hill. And I can, I can feel it. I have always felt it, seen it. But it's not like I feel or see it with hard focus. It's soft focus in my perceptions, right? So I think the most, there, there are various ways that people can use it to get my skills. I do a lot of, I have done a lot of teaching over the years of teaching people how to do the work they do physically um, in a way that will transform their work and transform other people. And I call that nurturing presence and nurturing touch. And there are fundamental principles underneath the rejuve work and the wise body work. And I've been given the, the protocols and the processes to literally teach people that if you're a massage therapist or a chiropractor or a nurse or a candy striper, I don't know if they have them still today, but yes. we certainly remember them. You know, if, you are, if you're a physical therapist, if you're in the touch profession on any level, I can teach you how to touch with greater depth, greater love, greater nurturance. And if you can do that to someone, with someone in your profession, they feel so much better. They get so much more from whatever that session is. But you come away getting everything you gave because what you give, you receive. And so someone becomes a better person, a better therapist, a better massage therapist, a better psychologist, a better nurse because they're learning to get in touch with themselves and the subtle energies of the divine that runs through them. And I choose to use the word the divine because it has the least amount of baggage connected to it. Even the New Age world, it was light and love. And I love talking about light and love because the divine is certainly light and love. But I don't want it to be trapped quite in that New Age paradigm either. It's, it's bigger than things we know. And it's more alive and more real for my friends who are skeptics. <laughs> So, to come back from that statement, I would say, so you would have come to the same place I have, which is that the greatest way we can participate with each other is to help each other plug into that place of offering and receiving love. Absolutely, Joanna. It's, like, it's, it's almost like the classes I teach are um, covers for helping people light themselves up, realize that they can, that they are, that they, they have the ability to reach and touch and then be touched. It's touched and be touched because you never touch another that you're not touched. And so it's a cycle of, like you're saying, it, this is it. And it's it is so fun. It is. There's nothing like it. There's no I can't imagine doing anything else. I love big groups. I love little groups. I love lecturing to nine or 10,000 people. I love, I love it all. Because as I'm doing it, everyone's getting lit up. And they'll do with, with that light what they choose to do. That's not my purview. It's like... If I can help you get the light, get that spark, get that, and it, that, that sense of, of yes, then you will go into your life and do what is right for you to do because you'll have more of that juice, and that's what you do. It's exactly what you do, Joanna. I love it. I walked in today, and I looked, saw your eyes again, and it's been a few years since I've seen your <laughs> eyes. And I was like, oh, there she oh, is again. So She's right here. You know, being who you are, and you are a beam of that light and love. Well, it's, uh, it's not my fault. It's just I've looked for what's the greatest fun. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Absolutely. I, honestly, I, 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 I don't want to talk about myself, but I, I used to be cruel and nasty and violent, and it was no fun <laughs> at all. So, but that's, that's, that's really the flip. 
for all of us. You know, how long can a family member hold a grudge against another family member? How long? A long time. And when they hold those grudges, there's like a poison that seeps through their being. It seeps into their mind. It seeps into their heart. It seeps into all the other interactions they have if they continue to hold that deep againstness. Because if we hold an againstness for another person, we're actually holding it against ourselves as well. And so this whole, everything everyone talks about is, when you say more fun, absolutely, that is no fun. Once you grow out of that phase of holding grudges and you know, all that kind of stuff, life changes dramatically, doesn't it? It's bottom line fun. Bottom line fun. <laughs> Bottom line What's one. your bottom line? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's so nice to know that about you. Thank you, know? you. I would have assumed it, having <laughs> met you and spent some time with you. But it's very nice. Good. Now, what's a medicine chest thing? About 25 years ago, my closest friend in New York, Richard, said, Look, Linda, you do too many things, you do them too well. You've got to choose one thing and just go with it. And I was like, I can't do that, Richard. I, I, I. He said, you've got to. So at that point, I chose Rejuve as where I would drop my energy because it had the biggest footprint on the East Coast. And that's where I did most of my work was in the East Coast. So I said, I'll do Rejuve. And I spent 15, 18, 19 years really nurturing Rejuve. It's, in a, it's a fabulous process. People do it. They love it. It's a sacred temple art. It's not a... It never has been and probably will never get into the mainstream of do this, do this. This is people who want to touch from that sacred manner. They want to touch and be touched in a profound way. And so they come to do rejuve. But now what's happened just actually this fall was like all of a sudden, oh, there's so many things that I know about the body that I want to be sure to give people. Mm -hmm. I want to be sure they have access to it. I want to be sure they know it because I got it from all these old guard healers over my life of working really closely with them. Wow. Those, those cricks, those silver bullets, those moments of, you do this, it'll make everything different. So I have a lot of that. And as I turned 70, which I did on Saturday, I realized that I want to be able to, to give those to people. And they are more on the, on the healing side, when people are looking for, what ails you? How can I work with what ails me? How can I help myself? How can I help my, my son, my grandmother, my neighbor? It's that kind of community of support and help. So out of the blue, I came up with your medicine chest. And with the help of a lovely, lovely friend, uh, created a logo, which I adore, which is an old 30s uh, medicine. Mm-hmm. Remember the metal boxes we used yes. to have with band-aids in them and stuff? Yes. It's an old metal medicine thing with a little, it says medicine, medicine and bandages, has a little red heart on it, you know. It means medicine. And he, and he shot this on some kind of a very grounded stone. And so it's a grounded way of looking at medicine. And... My, my work has been physical, spiritual medicine. That's what it, it can put that, everything I do under that. Um, and I finally decided to make that my, my healing umbrella instead of just tucking it in my bio. <laughs> and so I'm going to be doing a, e, e, e newsletters and blogs, but you know, it's the kind of thing, if I know what can really help, then why not give it to people so they can see if it really helps them? And so it'll be on all levels. It'll be on. It'll be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual tools that people can actually use. Solutions that'll make a difference in their life. So they're not all in me and in my notebooks. They actually get out to the world, and people can say, "Oh, let me give that a try." That's something that I'm having trouble with. What can I do? You know, I always get these horrible sore throats in the middle of the winter, and you know, it's so bad to have a sore throat, and the, the lozenges help, but they don't get rid of it, and antibiotics can help, but it may go on beyond antibiotics mm-hmm. today because antibiotics have been compromised. Let's put, that, put it that way. Right. Um, and so I can give you something that can do an amazing job with that sore throat if you're willing to put a little effort into putting some powdered herbs together and getting a bottle of pineapple juice, chilling it. There's a fabulous thing that's going to be the first thing that's going to come out in the, in the little e-news thing is this, this gargle, which I've been using for 40 years. I probably have 5,000 people who have been using it for 40 years, and it works. So I'll, I'll put something like that out. And I'm not going into it right now because I know you know this is not 
not where I have to, not where that, not where we're going to take the time to do that. Some examples. Uh, well, okay, that is like, excellent. Excellent. You know, what it, you do with this gargle with both of you and for any yes. friends you have is you take uh, equal parts of cayenne pepper, ginger, and cloves, all powdered. And I keep a little bottle of this in my cupboard at all times. That's my winter gargle, right? So it's cayenne, ginger, and cloves. And, you, and so what you do when you need it, even if it's uh, bad sinuses or you're getting post-nasal drip or you're getting a bad sore throat or your limps have just gone up but you don't have a sore throat yet, that's when you'd use this. And you take the powder. You can take as little as a quarter teaspoon, depending how raw your throat is. Right? You can take a quarter teaspoon, you can take a half a teaspoon, that's a lot. And you put it in water as hot as you can sustain. All right? Not boiling, 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 but as hot as you can sustain that day, meaning depending how sore your throat is. Then you have gotten pineapple juice. I take a big quart of pineapple juice and I pour it into little glass containers and I keep it in the freezer at all times. Mm-hmm. So when I know something's happening to me or someone I know, I'll go and get my little bottle of pineapple juice, let it melt, but it's cold. So now you have a hot gargle, which is the hot water, cayenne, cloves, and ginger, and you have a cold gargle, which is pineapple juice, all right? So then you go to your sink, and you gargle just a little bit. You don't take much in your mouth, and you gargle, spit it out. You've done that with a hot. Then you immediately take a little sip of the pineapple juice, cold. Ice cold. Ice cold, as you can get it. You, you gargle, 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 you spit it out. And you keep alternating the hot and the cold and the hot and the cold. So you have hydrotherapy happening on the inner mucous membrane tissues. You have hydrotherapy allowing the lymph to expand and squeeze out the poisons. So hydrotherapy is working for you, but you also have the power of cayenne, which is an extraordinary first aid and therapeutic herb. You have the power of ginger, which is a godsend herb for us, or spice. And you have cloves, which helps anesthetize the pain. And what happens is you take just a little bit of the pineapple juice. You don't want much because it foams in your mouth. If you take a whole big swallow, you'll be gargling, it'll be coming out your mouth and dripping down your neck. You don't want that. So it's a small sip. But what will happen by the third or fourth sip of the gargle with pineapple? You'll spit it out and you will start seeing globs of mucus come out, strings of mucus come out. So the pineapple juice is what activates the release when the herbs and spices have gotten things open. Wow. And you may only be able to do, with a very bad sore throat, four or five gargles. That's enough for that moment. Put the pineapple back in the refrigerator. Empty your hot because you'll do another one. There was a woman, Joanne. Her name was Joanne. Mm -hmm. um, When I was teaching at the Center of the Light, which was a place that seven of us founded uh, in the Berkshire, Massachusetts. And she had gone through two full courses of antibiotics. Her throat was so raw, um, and antibiotics hadn't touched it. So she'd been doing this for almost 25 days. And she finally called and says, I can't, I can't even do anything. I can't do this. I can't. And I said, do this, do this. She trained with us. So I told her, you remember. She says, oh, yeah. She got her stuff. She got it together. She called me three days later. The sore throat was gone. The swelling was gone. She was on the upper side of healing. It took her about another week to be completely healed, but she was free of it. The sore throat was gone. The swollen glands were gone. The, even the chest congestion was gone. So I've had experiences like that for mm-hmm. 40 years yeah. with this simple gargle. Simple to me because I don't mind putting herbs in a jar and chilling something and be ready to use it. Right. It might be a little hard for people who don't have that facility yet. But if you know how to do that, you will get yourself well very quickly and be able to get back into your life. Just absolutely. So what's coming to me is... It's hard to put in words, but... Some people respond to the allopathic medical model. Yes. And then some people would use what uh, our grandmothers or the wise women of today, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe men as well, this medicament, I don't know why I won't say it in French, these medicines that are not patented and these things might... They're in your pantry. What is it? What is it? What, uh, what, what have you noticed? 
You know, I was a, to be very honest, I was a rabid alternative practitioner most of my life. And I have not had, after I got over being a child and being hospitalized all that time, I really didn't use the medical model almost ever. I didn't even take an aspirin for almost 30 years. But what happened to me in 2003 is I had a massive accident. And I was hit by a rogue wave while standing on the beach in Hawaii teaching a rejuve a three-week intensive. And when that happened, it was an extremely bad accident. And it shattered my tibial plateau. It shattered my tibia. Um, It caused massive, massive swelling. And I was in pretty bad shape. Now, at that point, obviously, they called the the EMTs and the, the ambulances, and they took me to the hospital in Kauai. And I was faced with, what would I do with this massive energy and injury? which I could not handle myself without orthopedic surgery. You know, I just couldn't. And I was in violent pain, and yes, I told, said, give me morphine as the ambulance went off because I couldn't handle it. I just was, I was out of, out of it. Um, and so I had a major moment of having to understand that there is a time for allopathic intervention. Absolutely, in all of our lives, there is a time and there's purpose for allopathic practices. Right, But there is also a time when it, they are not needed and we may rely on them and on you know, pharmaceutical drugs when we don't need them. When a dietary change might change your blood pressure or your cholesterol and you don't need the drugs for the next 20 years. They all have contraindications. So it's finding that dance between the two. So what I had to do in that hospital room in Hawaii is I had to realize that there was a lot I could do but there was a lot I couldn't do. And I was, quote, quote, at the mercy. Uh, but I also have been very blessed in my life. And as with your home, synchronicities came around. And at one point, the, there was a young man who came from New York. He was a new orthopedic surgeon. He moved out to Kauai six months before so his boys could have a better life in New York. He was a hotshot surgeon there. Everyone said he was just amazing. He became the man who came to see me. And he came in uh, late at night, that first night in the hospital, and he said, um, we can't do anything for you for two weeks. The amount of swelling in your leg, you would probably lose your leg. You can't do a surgery with this. We have to wait till all that swelling comes down. That'll be at least two weeks. It could be three. And he says, so, and I said, I have to stay in that kind of pain? I can't handle that three weeks of this. And he said, there's nothing we can do. And I said, there's something I can do if you'll let me. He said, what do you mean? There is a way of working with um, breaks and sprains and, and bruises, but breaks and sprains mostly, that I've done numerous times for other people. And, and I teach my students this. So I said, if you would let me do what I do, I'm also a doctor, I'm just a different kind, that I will have the swelling down. And he says, well, it's got to come way down because this was Monday night, and he was leaving, he says, I'm leaving for the orthopedic convention in New Orleans on Thursday evening. So, you know, you don't have much time to do anything. It's not going to work. And I said, look, let me try. He said, what would you do? What you do is you grate onion and you pack it with salt until it's a paste. And you put a salt and onion pack around the injured area. And then you have to wrap it and keep it there. It stays there for six to eight hours. Then you have to take that pack off and put a fresh pack on. And he said, you would grate onion and salt and put it on your leg? I said, I would, and I have three of my students standing right here because they were my assistants in the teaching of the work I was doing. And I said, they know how to do it. Yes, that's what we do. He looked at me a long time. Then he looked down at this little Hawaiian nurse and said, let her do anything she wants. I'll be back. And my students, my friends, went out and got salt. They got the onion. They'd learned how to do it. They got, we use pampers, you know, to cover a joint like this. They brought everything that was needed. And that night, they started putting the pack around my leg, which was the size of two watermelons easily. It was monstrously huge. Mm -hmm. And they put it on. Then the next day, on that was probably Sunday night, maybe that was Monday night, they put another pack on. And they just they did it every six to eight hours. They did in rotations as they did that for me. And then all of a sudden, they just put the pack on Tuesday morning and at noon, and the doctor came to the door and he said, let me see it. So they cut the pack. They just put on off, opened it. 
He says, I'll come by tomorrow. He said, nothing else. And he walked out the door. And so they put, the, put a new pack back on, yeah, six yeah. to eight hours. This time we also added, they went to Papaya's, which was a health food store in Kauai, and they got turmeric and ginger. That's the second thing you put. Mm-hmm. You do grated turmeric, grated ginger, make a pack of that. So then they alternate the salt, the salt, and, and, um, the salt and onion, and they did the turmeric and ginger. Each one staying on for then about four to five hours. And they went back and forth. And so by the time Wednesday came along, I'd had both packs on, you know, numbers of times. And he came in at noon again on Wednesday and said, cut it off. That's all he ever said. He was this young, handsome, absolutely fabulous guy. Cut it off. So they cut it off again, opened it up. He looked at it, he came over, he palpated a bit. He said, I'll see you in surgery tomorrow morning. I said, okay. At which point, Thursday morning, before he did his nighttime flight, he literally performed surgery on my knee, repaired the tibial plateau, put plates and pins all the way down the leg, all the way up around here, did the whole surgery before he left. And it was all because I knew salt and onion worked. I'd done sprains on people's ankles and their wrists and their elbows. I'd done it for years. You just get salt and onion and you teach people how to do it. You know, I've worked with people with concussions, with salt and onion. You know, it works. It brings down the swelling. It does so many things, but I, you know, I could, I'm not going to go into all the da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. But I knew enough that in my extremity, would it work? Luckily, it wasn't a compound fracture. It didn't break the skin. But there was plenty that was broken in there. And because of that, I could use salt and onion. Then I could use turmeric and ginger. And honest to God, that young man came back um, about uh, 10 days later because... He was playing. He was doing something out there. And he came home, and I started going for my follow-ups with him. And he said, I have to tell you, I went to the orthopedic conference. First he said, would you like to come here and start, and start a clinic for me? Would you like to do that? I said, no, been there, done that. Not really. Um, but he said he went to the orthopedic convention, and he had signed up for many classes that he wanted to take from really big doctors. When he got there, he canceled all those classes, and he rescheduled Every alternative lecture class that he could get on alternative health. He says, I don't know what I saw you do, but I saw you do it. And I was able to do the surgery in that few number of days, three days since you were mangled. And he says, I can't believe it. But I'm telling you, my eyes are open now. And I'm going to pursue all of these alternatives as well as what I do. You know, so that... The work I teach, the things I teach come out of my life. Yes, and I learned that from a lovely teacher that I had, an old guard healer, psychic woman. Fabulous, right? And then I learned to use it, and it works. So, so, this is, so where, do I, where do I come from in this? It's because it's a living presence in my life. You know? Yeah, and these things with which you heal sometimes are living things. Yeah. They're living things. It's like, you know, my mother taught me to put an onion, uh, onion oh, peel yes. on my head. We call it the bing-bang herb. You hit your head, you put the bing-bang herb right on your head. Yes, your mother was right. And, and, but nobody believes me. I mean, nobody believes me. Why? Because what came in between which is all the great, uh, I mean, repairing, repairers. I believe in repairers. And whatever can be repaired, perhaps, needs to be, absolutely. And sometimes we need to turn to the medical profession to help. If he hadn't been a fine, a really good orthopedic surgeon, the nurses said, I would have a very mangled leg. But he was so good. He repaired it well. And I swear, all of the orthopedic work I've had on here, even when I had to get a knee replacement, I've gotten good doctors, they've done good things, but they didn't help me heal. Ah, They repaired it perfectly, and I am so grateful for them. I will sing their praises, right? But the healing happened in the other realms. It happened finding the right people who are healers or who can manipulate or are physical therapists with a deep consciousness and know that energy works or are herbalists or are, are, are. That is what healed me. That in my own knowledge and belief, of course. But So I have great respect for doctors 
Uh, some doctors more than others. And there are doctors I would never go to. And there are doctors that I would sing praises and say, if you have a problem, this person's going to help you. There's a, a nurse practitioner, dear, dear friend of mine that I love a lot. And we went ahead and did a, um, a kayaking trip down the Chama River one day. One, one season. And we were with a couple other friends and loved kayaking, right? I'm a rubber ducky person. I like the rubber duckies. And the, all, we didn't realize that the water was so low. And it became an incredible, grueling journey because the water was low. Things weren't working right. And so what happened is she got, she, she got tipped out of her canoe or her kayak a number of times. We had to pull things through rocks. She was covered in bruises. Her body was covered in bruises. Now, she'd heard me talk about salt and onion a long time. And she went, oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But she was alternative, but not that alternative. <laughs> so she went home that night. I mean, bruised beyond belief. She packed her big bruises in salt and onion, called me, and she says, my God, they're almost all gone. And the ones I didn't pack, they're still really big. She swears by it now. It was her whole body. Come on, it works. I I burnt myself again the day before yesterday. How about that? I I touched the cover of a of of a stew pan I had put in the oven, and then I wrapped my hand in vinegar, and it was all over in ten minutes. Exactly. The astringent power of the vinegar just sucked all the heat out, and it does. But people, and, you, and you didn't stick your hand in an ice bucket. No. That's the worst thing to do for a burn, everybody. Yes, do not ever put cold water or ice water on your burns. Me. It sends the burn deeper into the tissue, and it will make the healing time much longer. But they don't believe me. Well, maybe they will now, because I'm vouching for you. <laughs> <laughs> Vinegar works. Honey works. Lavender oil works. Vinegar and honey together for work. For burns, you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, but it, it, it's... Natural things work. They work profoundly. Wonder if they. Um, yeah. So we're coming towards the um, the end of this conversation, and I would like you to speak a little bit more about where you're centralizing your powers right now, in terms of the fact that this friend told you to centralize your power. So now you're in the next phase of I am centralizing. It, it's, a, it's about your medicine chest. It's about taking all of the aspects of healing on every level and bringing them forward from my life experience and gifting them to others. Some things I need to train people and teach them because they need they need that's the transmission has to be done that way some things can be read and understood and said oh my god I can do this for myself this is a really important lifetime and I have memories of many 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 lifetimes and so many of the lifetimes I remember have been lifetimes where I have left, left a knot of emotional energy stuck that then would be in all the lifetimes forward moving because I didn't forgive or I didn't let go or I didn't resolve and so this lifetime for me has been about seeing those, those very apparent issues, seeing how they have affected me, Linda, in my life, and bringing them to as great a resolve as I possibly can in my heart and soul so that I never carry them beyond anywhere. And so centralization for me is, it's my work is to, to give the things I have as best I can to anyone who would want it. And, but for my personal, it's all wound up in my personal journey, which is to bring that deep resolve into my, my life for anything that I have held against myself or against anyone else at any time in time and space and in any dimension to bring that profound healing to me. And I do that. It's a deep inner work. We all do it in our own way, those of us who are on a path. But my interaction with people is part of that for me. It's that exchange of touch and be touched. So I guess that's my centralization, if that makes sense. If you need more, ask me another question. Medicine chest. Your medicine chest. 
I I have a medicine chest in my mind, my heart, my hands, and my notebooks okay. that is so um, effective okay. on so many levels. And and I want other people to have access to their medicine chest if they just know that there are things in there that actually work. I think it's a I think it's a brilliant concept, quite frankly, and it could move in a lot of different ways in the coming years. But I think it's my next. It's my the latter third or. Maybe the latter fourth. I don't know what we're dealing with. But yeah, and I think it's a really good thing. It excites me. I'm very excited by it, to get it out, get things in the world. And it's not, see, I have it. It's not, it's not as though I just have a lot of book knowledge and I want to give you book knowledge. I have living experience of health, healing, getting over trauma, choosing to put your, put your faith in what you believe and moving forward. That's what my life has been. So... What I'm offering is, you know, it's, it's been tried and tested, you know, in my life and in others. And I like that because it's living. It's not you read a book and you learn something. I haven't read a lot of books and learned anything. I have to be very honest and say that. I've learned it through living exchanges and engagements with people, mostly people in crisis, who need help and something happens. Well, thank you very, very, very much, Linda. I really enjoyed this conversation. Joanna, I did too. And any time you want to keep on talking about skepticism, I'll (laughs) definitely talk with you about that. (laughs) It's a very healthy thing to be a skeptic. Very healthy. As long as it doesn't turn cynical. Skepticism is No way. No way. Boring. (laughs) No fun. No fun. (laughs) 